0: Coming up today on the Lead Lead to to Succeed Succeed podcast.
1: You have two customers. You have your external customers. Those are the people who are going to buy from you. But you have the internal customers, and those are the people who are in your tribe that you are selling to at a level of values and purpose and communication. And if you don't know how to do that level of communication with them, which is the work that we do is, again, back to bringing you back to purpose and showing you how to communicate with these people in a way that endears them and bonds them to you, you're not going to keep
0: them. Do you want to learn the tricks the top leaders use to get the most out of themselves and their teams? Well, Naftali Hoff is here to help. Lead to Succeed picks the brains of top leaders to learn about their challenges, insights, and best practices. Here's Naftali. Hello, Lead to Succeed Nation. It's Naftali Hoff, and welcome to Lead to Succeed, episode 27. This episode's interesting fact is, when you meet new people, you often forget their name the second they introduce themselves. Science says that's because your brain is focused on another thing, how to make a great first impression. The easiest trick to help your gray matter do its job is to use the person's name immediately after hearing it. Our guest today has met many new people over the years and does a fine job at making a great first impression. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Dove Barron. Considered by many as the leading authority on authentic leadership, Dove is one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers to hire. Dove works with multiple disciplinary leaders and executive teams to build the bonds that create organizational cultures that become fiercely loyal. Dove is a best-selling author of several books. His latest book is Fiercely Loyal, how high-performing companies develop and retain top talent. He also writes for and has been featured in many industry magazines, including being featured on CNN, CBS Small Business Pulse, SHRM, Yahoo Finance, USA Today, and many more. Dove, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you, Naftali It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm excited to, to serve today.
0: Thank you. And I'm super excited to talk with you. I've had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit, and your work is really, really impressive. And I'd like to start with your book, if I can. Tell us, please, about it. And why specifically is Cultivating Fiercely Loyal Employees particularly important today?
1: Well, thank you for asking. You know, it, the book came out of this Uh, The conversations I was having with leaders around the world that I work with, and the constant complaint about how they couldn't find talent. And when they did, that the talent would come, they would work for them, and then they would leave uh, very often within a very short period of time. And so, what became obvious to me was that there was this need. See, when you and I entered the workforce, particularly those of us who are certainly over 45, we were asked, what do you want to do when you left school? And that was considered to be a 20 to 40-year career track. Millennials have a four-year career track. That's 10 times less. That's not jobs, by the way, folks. That's career. They're looking to change careers within four years. So there became this obvious, deep need for how do you find the right talent, how do you develop that talent, and how do you have them become fiercely loyal to you and your organization?
0: That's unbelievable. I had no idea. I certainly am well well versed with with millennials and certainly the unique opportunities as well as challenges that it presents to leadership mm-hmm. to be able to work with our younger leaders. But I had no idea about the career change um, concept, the notion of, of, of shifting tracks, if you will, every four years or so. What do you attribute that to?
1: Um, it's attributed to many things. I mean, first of all, uh, millennials are not us. And uh, it's one of the great lessons in the book that I talk about is that all those horrible judgments that we have on millennials, just stop for a minute and think about it this way. I want you to imagine, I don't know what you are as you listen into the show right now, maybe you're a baby boomer. So if you're a baby boomer, I want you to imagine that all baby boomers are born with red lenses. Maybe you're a Gen Xer. All Gen Xers are born with blue lenses. And then millennials come along and they're born with green lenses. And we all get these lenses and we see the world through those lenses. Boomer, red lenses, Gen X blue lenses and millennial green lenses. But that means that we're all seeing the world differently, but we're flavoring it with our own lenses. So we look at millennials and we think that they're, they're, they're not loyal. We think that they're entitled little shits is a normal term that I hear from CEOs around the world. They say, what is with the millennials? They're just so entitled. And they're not. You're looking at them through your lenses. So when you look at them in a level of loyalty, you have to understand the reason they're changing careers every four years is because they can. It's one of the things I love about millennials. As I often say, millennials are baby boomers with balls, meaning they're courageous. And we, as baby boomers said, you know, if you were born in the 50s, then you probably grew up, you were young and watched the hippies, or you maybe were a hippie and and The phrase was, I'm never going to work for the men. Well, guess what? Baby boomers are all the men now. Millennials understand that they get to create their reality. They don't have to work for you. And that means that they don't look at you, their job, their career, as their last and best offer. They understand to be open-minded, and so they are generally more entrepreneurial. And it's one of the things I love about them.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I gotta go a little bit deeper with you, Dove, if I can. Sure. So let me ask you this. If you're when you're talking to a leader, obviously you just share that very lovely designation that many of your that many of your clients have for their millennial workers. But would you say, and this is just sort of a, a curiosity for me, that the bigger issue for leaders in dealing with millennials is a lack of understanding, what you talked about with the perspective and the different colored glasses and all, or would it be perhaps even that they're afraid of their millennials because they don't feel that they could lead the way that they've been trained to lead or they've become accustomed to lead? And now all of a sudden they don't really know how to connect with these people and more importantly, how they're going to ensure that they stick around.
1: Absolutely. Yes and yes. You're correct. It's, it's actually not one form. It's both. So you can, I mean, I, I, it's one of the first things I say in the book is you cannot lead millennials the way you led boomers and Gen Xers. And so let's take it out of the personal for a moment and just look at the science and and the the facts of it. Millennials have never known a time where the internet didn't exist. Like, I remember the internet coming online. I remember talking about uh, what was called Internet 2.0, which is now called social media. But it was Internet 2.0 back then. That's all we knew it as. Millennials have never known a time without it. The upper end of millennials will remember a little bit of it, but most cuz they're 37 years old, but most of them won't. Gen Z who are already 17 years old, that the next generation have never known a time, they've always been in front of screens. So you cannot lead them the same way because they've not they've not grown up in the same environment. They're high stimulus, they're quick learners i give you an example. When I started speaking, was in the 80s. I've been speaking 34 years. And back in about 1990, I did some research into how long it took people to learn to be a fighter pilot in the 1980s, early 80s, and it was around four years. By the 1990s, it was down to two years. Now it's down to just a couple of months. Why? Because the millennials who are flying those planes today have grown up with digital screens in front of them. And flying those planes today is all digital screens. So they're learning at a hyper-speed way. And this is one of the things you gotta understand. So when you say, uh, you as a leader might say they're entitled and they want to move forward way too fast and they want a promotion too fast. No, no, they're learning faster. You said they didn't pay their dues. Yes, they did, they just don't pay the dues the way that you or I learn to pay our dues. They're not willing to spend Mm. 10 years to become a master because they can go on YouTube and learn something that we took 2 years to learn and they can learn it in a couple of hours.
0: Beautiful. That's 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 fascinating and the, the point about you know paying your dues but doing it at a different time I think is really insightful because it creates this a different paradigm as far as how leaders look at their people and ultimately how they appreciate their talents and appreciate their experience you know, back in the day, we'd appreciate, you know, a person's pathway based on their degree Absolutely. and how many years they put in the office. But now it sounds like we really have to look at the totality of their experience and frankly, leave maybe some of the formal designations alone and just really focus on their skills. You know, what do they have the capacity to do?
1: Yeah, um, it's it's a great point. I mean, you know, this, one of the things I will say to leaders is this, two people show up for a job that you need done. One of them has spent four years at college and got a degree. The other one has done four years of an internship, working for a company similar to yours, maybe even a little bit better than yours, but they have no degree. Who are you going to employ?
0: Oh, obviously number two.
1: Right. Why? Because you don't actually care about degrees. You think you do. You think you should care about degrees. You think you should care about education, but what you actually care about is results. Yep. So understand that. Now, let's shift that into a new paradigm and talk about time. So what I mean by that is, for many of us who grew up as baby boomers, we expect our employees to be in the office from eight to five. Millennials are not going to do that. They're not interested in doing that because they understand something we don't, which is work-life balance has got nothing to do with separating the two. It's about having a life while you're at work. So what that means is they may be working on the project at two in the morning while you're sleeping. But they may not show up at the office at eight. They may not show up till one. But it doesn't matter. What matters is the results. So stop measuring time and start measuring results.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it really is. I mean, it's a capital P paradigm shift over here. Uh as we become more and more accustomed to or, you know, as there are more millennials and like you said, eventually the Gen Zs or Gen Z, I think you called it, uh, that'll be coming through the pipeline. And I think leaders really need to be understanding that it's all about results, like you said, and to spend a little bit less time focusing on the technicalities of how you get there, so long as you ultimately get to where you want to be. And that, I think, is a really important lesson because, you know, it it, it shifts our focus from you know, the conventional in-the-box thinking to becoming more and more of an out-of-the-box thinker, out-of-the-box leader, which I sense more so than ever is a really critical skill for anyone who is taking on a leadership position.
1: You know, you and I grew up in a time when we believed that leadership was about command, control, having your armor, not letting anybody see any chink in your armor, and knowing everything. Your leader has to have the answers that leader is a dinosaur. If you're leading from that point of view, and I I get that some people listening to this may feel like I'm really being challenging or maybe even abrasive. That Please understand, that's not my point. I'm not here to do that at all. I'm here to empower you to have extraordinary experience as a leader. And what that means is, you may think that soft skills belong to HR. They don't. You as a leader have to become, as I wrote about it in my book, Whatever your designation is, if you're the CEO, CFO, CMO, CIO, or whether you're the janitor, I want to give you another designation. And the other designation is this, become a CRO, a Chief Relationship Officer. You must upgrade your relationship skills because the new bottom line is soft skills. The new bottom line is your ability to adapt and communicate to people in different generations with great diversity. Because we are in the most diverse time. The the largest workforce is now millennials, by the way. It's not boomers anymore. It's already millennials. You've got Gen Z coming up. Then on top of that, you've got cross cultural. More than ever, we're employing people from other countries. So, you know, my workforce I don't have, I have one person in my office, and I have nine people on my team. Not one of the, only one of them works in my office. They're spread around the world. I have to be able to communicate across those cultures. So this is vitally important. You've got to have the relationship skills to be able to have those people feel valued, because your people will not be loyal to you if they don't feel valued, and value doesn't show up in a paycheck that's only one
0: form. Sure. It's interesting because when I was writing, doing my research and then writing my book, Becoming the New Boss, that was very much a piece that resonated time and again, not only from my personal experience uh, in leadership, but also just understanding what it is that motivates people and how you get the highest performance from your teams. And like you said, it's all about the soft skills. It's all about the relationships. People need to feel like they have a place Not only in your office, but in your heart, and that ultimately you care about them and you're gonna do everything you can to support them in the work that you ask of them. And this has been fantastic, Dove. I'd like to transition, if I can, just a little bit from cross-generational to cross-cultural, which you just talked about before briefly. And I know that you've traveled quite a bit. And I'm curious to know, you know, oftentimes we talk about how there are, you know, nuances and difference, of course, in different cultures throughout the world, but there's certain fundamental pieces about what makes us all human. And I'm wondering about leadership in particular. Do you find that leadership principles are universal? Do you find that in some way that they adjust differently or look differently in some of the different places that you visited?
1: And again, my answer is yes and yes.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. We'd love to hear more.
1: There are certain universal principles that do cross all the lines. And there are others that are certainly slower to do so. So for instance, very often leaders that I've interviewed and worked with and consulted for in places like India or or the Philippines are finding that, you know, they are really struggling because they're actually still old school command and control. And the workforce is still somewhat willing to tolerate that somewhat, but they are also facing exactly the same issues in that they've got to learn how to build a culture that is fiercely loyal and they can't do it through command and control. So what is the universal principle of leadership that I see that works? And it's very simple. Human beings are tribal. We are tribal beings. We claim ourselves as a member of a tribe. In fact, those of us who were born into a certain faith, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I, I do. do. <laughs> I do. You know, we actually say, oh, you're a member of the tribe. We actually use that language. And so that is very much a truth of who we are. We are tribal. And so as a great leader, leadership is about creating a tribe that people want to be in. And if you can learn how to do that, and you, by the way, You will not do that by paying more. It has to be based in principles that are deep-seated in purpose. So Simon Sinek talks about finding your why, and that's certainly part of it. But deeper than your why is your purpose. That's deeper than the why. And deeper than your purpose is your personal deep greatness, connecting to that, that then fills out as your purpose, becomes the why that you integrate into your organization. And people then... Pull their purpose and their why into your tribe because your tribe, your organization, your business becomes an outlet for them to step into their purpose, to to embrace their own deep greatness and fulfill their purpose
0: in life. I love that answer on a number of levels. Uh, I'm going to lift the curtain just for a second and uh, mention that Naftali, which is my name, is one of the twelve tribes of Jacob's sons. Uh, so that really has a long-standing tradition within the Jewish faith. Uh, but more, but more to your point, Dove, and that was really a great answer. You know, I was thinking about something that I just heard the other night. I had the privilege of attending a, a business meeting, and there was a speaker at the meeting. One of the uh, a well-known uh, speaker. His name is Kivi Bernhard. And he was talking about uh, the idea that the irony, we talked about millennials before that on the one hand, uh, because of technology, because of what we used to call Internet 2.0 or social media, though we mm-hmm. may connect more than ever before in theory, or at least on a superficial level, in a very practical level, we're becoming more and more disconnected because Gosh. our interactions are so superficial, and because we're we're so worried about how we're going to look and all the all the cutesy things we might do, but we're not spending as much time going deeper with people, and yet what we're finding, what executives are finding, what Fortune 500 companies are finding as they're engaging with millennials in particular as customers and they're trying to ensure that they're you know, buying from them and really developing brand loyalty is the fact that they need to convert their marketing, their messaging to a marketing experience, not just what does my product do and what are the great gadgets or whatnot that it offers, but what experience can we build around the product to help it that it makes it a deeper, more personal connection to what it is that you're looking to buy. And I think of that as you're talking about the notion of tribe and of purpose, that really it's the same concept. You know, we have to do that internally as a leader with our people. We also need to do it externally with anyone that we want to serve, whether it's with a product or a service. How do we create an experience that brings people into our world, makes them want to connect with us, and ultimately, like you said, to identify with us?
1: Absolutely. And really understanding that people, like I said, we, we are tribal and yes, I mean I agree fully with what you said. Is that we have more communication devices and we're less connected than ever before. So if your brand, and by when I say brand, I'm not talking about a product. I'm talking about a brand which encompasses purpose and values and all those kinds of things. That has to create an experience. And, you know, and I've used this analogy many times. Uh, you know, naftali because we've talked about it. You know, my background where I started was in philosophical religious studies and then led me into psychology. And understanding this thing around tribe and understanding that we we join tribes because we want the experience of that tribe. There's a very distinct experience of being Jewish. There's a very distinct experience of being a Baptist Christian. There's a very distinct um, experience of being a Hindu. There's a very distinct experience of being in any faith. There's a very distinct experience of being member of the Google tribe or of Amazon. And the thing about it is understanding you have two customers. You have your external customers. Those are the people who are going to buy from you. But you have the internal customers. And those are the people who are in your tribe that you are selling to at a level of values and purpose and communication. And if you don't know how to do that level of communication with them, which is the work that we do is again back to bringing you back to purpose and showing you how to communicate with these people in a way that endears them and bonds them to you you're not going to keep them so it is you're you're so right it's about the experience but the experience does not start that does not begin and end with the product it begins but it cannot end with that You have to be living, eating, sleeping, and demonstrating your values rather than stating them. And the greatest example of that that I just love is um, Patagonia. Uh, You're familiar with the company Patagonia? Yes. A wonderful uh, outerwear company They deal with a lot of those uh, mountain climbing and all those kinds of clothing. And several years ago, I wrote about them in my book, because one of the things they did as a campaign is they told their customers not to buy from them. They said there's enough waste on the planet, and we need to take better care of our planet. So what do we want you to do? They set up a page where people could actually sell Patagonia products that that were secondhand. I've got this jacket. I'm kind of bored with it, so I'm going to sell it. And you sold it on their site. They got nothing from it. Wow. Now, guess what happened to their profits? I'm
0: sure it doubled.
1: It was like it went through the roof. Now, how how do you explain that to a bottom line driven CEO that listen, we're going to drive people away from buying on it off us, and it's going to increase business? You're a misogynist, You're a crazy person. There's no possibility. Yep. But it did. Yeah. Because they sold the experience of what Patagonia stood for. That's mm. the key.
0: Yeah. And I I love the way that you brought it back to the internal piece as well. You mentioned Simon Sinek earlier, and I was thinking of the example of Southwest Airlines and how they always talked about that if you took care of your internal people and you really made them happy, satisfied and connected to the mission and purpose, that that would trickle out to everybody else and really have a you know, a widespread effect. And I think that that is really relevant on a broader scale as well as you're describing. You know, you need to be communicating within, you need to be pushing that message out, but there needs to be consistency. And the most important thing it sounds like is that, We're creating not just a product that's going to help your life. We're creating a way by which you can become more deeply connected. And that's ultimately what people want. You know, they just want to feel connected. They want to feel, like you said, part of a tribe, part of something bigger than themselves. And the more that you as a leader can create a vision of connection and ultimately give people an opportunity to latch onto that, I think you're really going to develop the loyalty that your book is all about.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. You've got Beautiful. to connect people at a deep, deep level to what actually matters about your company. And, and the thing about this that I love about it is that it's a filter and it's a magnet. And if you think about it, a magnet, at one end of the magnet, it attracts and at the other end, it repels. When you are embedded in your purpose, that's what it should do. It should automatically push people away who are not a fit and dynamically attract the right people to you. Whether that's as talent to work with you, or whether that's as customers. Listen, those people listening to this, I am not their cup of tea. They've gone. They've already said this guy swore twice already. And he <laughs> used
0: the way. word misogyny.
1: And he used the word Meshuggah. <laughs> okay. right? So you know, I'm done. That's fine. That's great. You're not. You're. You're not a member of my tribe, and I'm okay with that. And I really. If you've found that I'm not, that's wonderful. That's a wonderful step forward for you. Now go find who is. Find the person who can serve you the best. But there are other people on here saying, wow, this guy challenged me. I love that. He made me think and he's made me look at this. You know, I got to reach out to Dov. I got to find out how to get in touch with him. Uh, you know, I, we need to put this into our business. We need to integrate this. Wonderful. It's not about we've spent too long trying to be nice. You cannot lead from the fence. You've got to get off the fence and you've got to push people off the fence. But you can't push people off the fence unless you're off the fence and you've decided where you stand, what really matters. Why do you care? Because if you don't care, no one else will.
0: Well, you sure have gotten me thinking. That's for sure. And I'm I'm jumping to whatever degree others on the fence. Before we started this conversation, I am jumping off quickly. <laughs> uh, but I'm actually going to transition us as well to a little bit of a lighter uh, part of the conversation. A segment I love called Rapid Fire. And I'm going to ask you, Dove. I know you've been around the world, but you're now in Vancouver, mm-hmm. I believe. So, best thing about living in Vancouver, beautiful city, by the way. And I visited once and really enjoyed it.
1: It's a gorgeous city. Best thing about living in Vancouver is the fact that I live very close to the water and I have a view of the mountains and the snow and that it's got easy access to Asia and Europe.
0: Mm, beautiful. So since you travel, give us a hack, please, that makes flying more tolerable.
1: Oh, that's interesting. A hack that makes flying more tolerable. Uh, <laughs> I hate to say, say this, but, but, but business class, the fact that I can actually uh, lie down and not wake up in agony is definitely the thing that makes traveling more easy but my tip around it is simply do not drink alcohol or coffee from the moment you get on the plane and you'll find that jet lag will all but go away
0: Mm, interesting most remote place you ever worked
1: remote place um give me a
0: context for remote please I guess you'd have to define that. Yeah, I'm coming from the northeast of the United States. So that would be a perspective. I would say in terms of not your conventional big city corporate type context.
1: Oh, okay. Um, The most remote place that I've worked was in a little place in Scotland called Schoon. Um, It's actually Schoon Palace where the Scottish kings were crowned. And Ooh. I got to speak at that palace working with next-generation leaders, so that was uh, ultra-high net worth families who I do a lot of work with, working with their kids who ranged from 18 to 45 years old and in this tiny little Scottish place uh, that's just got a castle there and one tiny little hotel that I stayed in. Uh, that was pretty cool because I got to get into the ride that was taking me there and say, take me to the palace. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Feeling like a king there. That was great. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. One last thing, Dove. something most people don't know about you, but should. Um,
1: that I look like I'm a big toughy, but the truth is, uh, that I'm all about heart, soul, and that what I believe at the center of my being is that you were never broken. You may have believed it, but you are whole, complete, and you were born miraculous. And that when you remember that and find your purpose, your life becomes deeply fulfilling and you begin to serve in the way that you came
0: to the planet to serve. Wow. You know, I was going to ask you for one final life lesson, but I think that one could serve its purpose beautifully. What a great way to end that segment. And I would actually add, Dove, that in our last conversation, it was very clear to me, you talked about being tough, soft, and all of that, but Mm. really that you are driven by a sense of purpose, by a sense of wanting to do the very best for humanity and for for individuals as well. And so despite the fact that you are strong and passionate in your words, it's very clear from the little bit that we've gotten to know each other Um, And I consider it a privilege that we have that you um, are somebody who's deeply concerned about the welfare of everyone around us. And certainly we all appreciate the service that you provide to leaders as well as to the broader community. So thank you for that. And I wanted to turn the floor to you for a moment. And you talked about this before, but how can people, in fact, get in touch with you, learn more about your work, and uh, be inspired further by your message?
1: Well. First of all, thank you for your kind words. I want you to know that I appreciate that. Um, I think that we live in a world where we think that things are one-sided. A person is tough and therefore is not allowed to have heart, or they're, they're heart-based and therefore they're dishcloths. No, you need to be powerful and strong and totally heart and soul-based. So I really appreciate you bringing that up, so thank you. If you want to reach out to me, you can, I am literally all over the net I have a massive social footprint but the easiest way to find me is to go to my website which is fullmontyleadership.com f u l l m o n t y leadership.com fullmontyleadership.com uh, There you can find resources there's a there's a blog with 400 articles on it there's links to my to my YouTube channel with also f- more than 400 videos Uh, There's a massive resources on there. My podcast, you can find that. There's again, over 400 episodes of that too. Um, You can find out about my consulting, my speaking, my writing, my books, all those things are there. And you can find me on other social medias like Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, of course, and any of Facebook, all of those places. And feel free to reach out to me. Listen, I want to challenge you, the listener, for a moment. You know, Naftali takes the time to bring you these wonderful guests, uh, and I'm honored and grateful to be here, so thank you. But he takes the time to do this, and this is not profit. This is this is service. And if he takes the time to reach out and bring you these wonderful guests who add value to you, then write to the man. Let him know the impact and the difference that he's making. Don't, don't just have it playing in the background and, and take it for granted. One of the great challenges of our life is that we take too many things for granted, So reach out to him. Let him know the difference it's made in your life. Write to him. Feel free to write to me. I'll give you my personal email. I know it's crazy, but I'll give it to you. It's D-O-V at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N dot com. Dov at Dov Write to me. Write to Naftali. Tell us what you got out of this. And if there's a way for me to serve you or help you, I'm happy to do that too.
0: Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for that and for that very nice, generous plug in the back end. And I'm actually going to end with a leadership quote from none other than Dove Barron. Growth by its very nature demands that we extend beyond where we are or what we know. Dove, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so very much for adding such great value Uh, To our conversation, giving us so much to think about. And I really hope that uh, folks will reach out to you, get inspired further, and uh, learn and profit from your work.
1: Thank you, my friend. Again, it was a pleasure and an honor.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode and for investing in yourself so that you could lead to succeed. Before you go, don't forget to pick up your copy of Becoming the New Boss on Amazon. Learn more about the book at becomingthenewboss.com. If you already got your copy, be sure to leave a comment on Amazon. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.